Cause it's a pain A destiny child You know it will be rocking Cause it's flipping insane It's just a pain A destiny child More precious than a diamond On a platinum chain Hello and welcome to The Pick All you demons on wheels This is The Pick And we are Sean Lemmy John Otney And Colin Westman this is the movie podcast where every week one of us picks a movie, uh-huh, and uh, we talk about it, and at the end of the episode, someone else picks another movie, ha-ha-ha, <laughs> uh, little concept, high fun, it's all about the rules, that's the power of the pick, ha-ha-ha. <laughs> we should have got that Micro Machines guy on this episode, do you know what I'm saying? From the 80s, there's like this guy who was the fastest talker in the world, and he did like 800 <laughs> commercials. I was just watching videos of him yesterday. <laughs> they had him read the, all the lyrics to Bad, and he could do it in like a minute, it's crazy. He's also in the Transformers animated movie as that one Transformer who can talk really fast. <laughs> uh, is that I've never heard of this guy? Oh, he's great. Is that, is that the old Transformers movie or the Michael Bay one? Or the old one, the animated one. Yeah, that makes sense. He has reprised the character for a couple other uh, cartoons. The character's name is Blur, I think. Blur. talks so fast that it's like a blur. <laughs> Speaking of cartoons and what Sean was doing, Sean, you were doing a funny voice uh, as a tribute to the cartoon that became the movie that we're talking about. That's right. This week we're off and flying as we gun our cars down the track. We're jamming down the pedal like we're never coming back. Adventure's waiting just ahead as we talk about Speed Racer, the 2008 cult classic? I think that's fair. That's fair. From the Wachowskis. But first, let's pump the brakes a little bit and start talking about our little picks. And my little pick uh, is Better Call Saul Season 5, which wrapped up a week ago as of this recording. And uh, I feel like you say this at the end uh, uh, every Better Call season. I, I, by you, I mean everyone. Uh, it was like the best season yet. Uh, another great, dark, but also amusing and thrilling and, uh, and beautifully shot season of this uh, stellar show uh, that I love that the creators have been very uh, for, uh, clear that they had no plan for this series. Like, it was really pitched as a comedy. They're just making it up as it goes, but <laughs> it's it's working really, really well. Uh, I think it, it flies in the face of all the people that say you got to have, like, a whole plot storyboarded out from, like, season one, episode one, um, that they've crafted this crazy story about Jimmy McGill and uh, and... Mike Ehrman Trout and, and everyone else caught in their uh, web of crimes as they both break bad, uh, presumably in the early 2000s. But even that is a little bit hard to tell. Um, season 5 picks up right after where Season 4 left off, which was uh, Jimmy making a fateful decision to change his name to Saul Goodman uh, and Mike making a decision to maybe walk away from organized crime and... Just when they both thought they were out, they get pulled right back in. And uh, I just, I had a, I, it's, it's one of the only shows where it's like, as soon as it airs, I got to go watch the episode. It's, it's so good. Uh, the next season is supposed to be the last one. It's also supposed to be next year, but who knows anymore. But uh, 
you got at least a year to catch up and watch this latest season, which I highly recommend. If you haven't been watching this show at all, if you liked Breaking Bad back in the day, I really recommend you check out Better Call Saul. I got to catch up eventually. Yeah, I fell behind a long time ago, but I, I do. The fact that it's on Netflix makes it easy. Um, I just don't remember where I stopped watching. <laughs> so I think I just I think it was somewhere in the like the end or middle of season two. So I gotta go way back. Was there any more Breaking Bad cameos from characters that appeared on that show this season? Um, I think everyone has been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's there's a fair amount of uh, of Don Eladio this year. Uh, obviously, Giancarlo Esposito is main cast now. Uh, yeah. I guess most of the <laughs> characters that could potentially be on this show have already made appearances. Yeah. Yeah, this this season has a new villain who was introduced at the end of the last season, uh, Lalo, played mm-hmm. by Tony Dalton, and he's great. He, he's such a great fit for this universe. And uh, it's like really a really scary guy who like doesn't even have to do a lot of scary things to to drive home just how intense and dangerous he is. It's great. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Colin, are you going to pick the Fiona Apple album? <laughs> yeah, that was my plan. I would have picked that too, So, but I'll okay. let you handle that. So instead... It can be both of our picks. I don't care. I'll, I'm sure I'll, let, you, I'll let you have your moment. Speed Racer. All right. Um, I'm going to recommend the only good thing I've seen on Quibi. If you're not familiar with Quibi, it's an app you can get on your phone that has... Uh, short shows that are like five to six minutes long. Something I don't think there's uh, definitely nothing uh, over ten minutes. And they have it didn't se- it it didn't occur to me until it actually launched that they had picked the worst possible time to launch this service. I know, nobody right? Because wants to look at their phone. Everybody's at home. Exactly. The whole thing is like you can on the subway or the bus or something. You can watch a six minute episode of something. But no, everybody's at home. They don't want to watch their phones when they have their TV. Though I am an essential worker, I have lunch breaks, so I found one thing I liked on Quibi. It feels like it's a joke show, but it's a real show. It's called Dish Mantled. It's hosted by Titus Burgess, and right. it's a show where they get a bunch. They get like a recipe. Let's say um, I don't know shrimp scampi, right? And they get two uh, chefs, like contestants, and they they blindfold them and put them in safety gear. And then they shoot the dishes out of a cannon at them. And without taking off their blindfolds, they have to just, like, root around and, like, pick up the food and put it in their mouth and try to then recreate the dish. And whoever gets closest to what was shot at them uh, is the winner of (laughs) $5,000. And it works perfect for these six-minute segments. And it's funny because sometimes people get really close. Sometimes they're not even remotely close to what was shot at them. Uh, and it's it's funny though. It always makes me hungry, which is why I eat with my lunch. Even though there's like people like it looks like puke and they're eating it off the floor, but the the final dishes always look always look pretty uh, pretty good. And they have lots of fun guests. They had um, the guy, what's his name from Queer Eye, Anton. He was on there once, and uh, like Jane Krakowski and Rachel Dratch. You know, funny people and also chef people. And Titus is a great host. This should be an actual show on a real network. <laughs> Uh, I've tried uh, to watch a couple of other shows on Quibi, and I've totally tuned the both of uh, all of them out. 
How many shows do they have? I don't feel like it's that many. The ones that I watched, yeah. so I, I watched this. I watched all of this. I've watched all they have to offer, like all eight episodes, which only totals to like, what, like an hour of content for that show. Yeah. Uh, but I tried watching, they did, what was it? You know, that book about the guy, the deadliest, what's it called? The one where, like, what the, the man hunts the other man on the island. <laughs> the most dangerous game. The most dangerous game. Thank what? you. They yeah, they do. Show that. I guess it is like yeah. a short story, but it's Christoph weird. Waltz is gonna hunt um, Liam Hemsworth because he's like got mm. like some disease, so he's got nothing to lose anyway. So he's gonna try to get money for his family. Check that after the first episode. Uh, I watched the new Punked, and that actually <laughs> that actually works really well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just don't I don't need to keep up with it. It's got Chance the Rapper. It seems fine. Uh, Chrissy Teigen has a show where she's like it's a joke courtroom show where people have like really stupid cases and then she gets to pick who wins and it's terrible uh, <laughs> and I would be so afraid if I was on this show because it seems like well I only watched one and like someone had to pay the other person money but Chrissy Teigen's like I'll just pay it so I don't know if that's what happens in every episode <laughs> but I would be I feel like I wouldn't be getting you know my day in court if i was going to chrissy's court doesn't seem fair but i guess i they, mean that's kind of that that's the deal with uh like judge judy too right where but this is they, way like, less professional than that <laughs> they, uh, at least she you know is a judge right but on judge judy what what it really is is they have signed a thing with uh with the producers of the show that any like legal fees are going to be paid by the show. Okay. And so, like, they have very little stake in what actually happens in the trial okay. because it's already kind of settled. And then there was some other show where Will Forte and... It was Will Forte and somebody else. I think it was Caitlin Olsen from It's Always Sunny are trying to become, like, home renovator people. You know, like... I can't think of an example, but, you know, those kinds of shows. Uh-huh. And that's just, like, a very okay... Uh, sitcom. Yeah, all the shows are like... <gasps> wait, 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 wait. Did you not watch The Fugitive with Kiefer? Oh, you know, it wasn't on there when I first started watching Quibi, and I haven't really checked out anything that's been added since the first day. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, I, I see, here's, my, here's my problem with Quibi, is you just feel like you're watching a regular show that then has to go to a commercial break and then you have to wait and then you have to go click on the next episode to continue it. Like they don't feel they should be self-contained episodes, which I think would be way more interesting um, utilization of the app. But no, it just feels like you're watching something hella chopped up. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> the technology's cool. Like you tilt your phone and it, you know, it, it switches to the orientation of your phone. They even use like out they'll use alternate takes to, uh, to better use if your phone is horizontal or vertical um so they definitely thought that out but yeah technology is cool but the shows are not that good and it's definitely gonna fail hard <laughs> if it isn't already failing hard so you don't need to get it but i like dismantled it's very fun so if you do get it, it's like free i think right now for like 90 oh. days yeah, I was going to say, John, if you are interested in a much more sanitary version of that concept, they have a show on Bon Appetit where one of the uh, one of the chefs there is given a dish designed by a, a celebrity chef, so it's usually kind of a weird dish, and he's blindfolded, and he has to eat it blindfolded and then recreate it himself from scratch. 
That sounds pretty good, but they don't shoot it out of a cannon? They don't. Sh- there's no cannons at all. Okay, well, we'll see. Sounds interesting. Let's check it out. All right, so yeah, not much surprise. John already mentioned to all. Just talk a little bit more about the Fiona Apple album. I kind of gave my initial thoughts on it on the blog, but that was after it had been like two days old. It's been like a week and a half now, and I was listening to it today, and I was just like, yeah, these are some some real good songs. <laughs> I think there was a little bit of an intimidation factor when I first listened to it, because it just like, upon release, got just nothing but rave reviews. It got a 10.0 and Pitchfork, and so I was just like, I don't know. It was hard to just enjoy the album on its own terms because I had been yeah yeah I had been looking forward to it because Fiona Apple's last album which came out eight years ago was kind of the album that got me into her it was one of my favorite albums of the 2010s and have you memorized the entire title no I I just (laughs) given up and called it the idler wheel it's like the idler wheel something about a screw and whipping cords the will never wheel. do. Dude, that's pretty good. The idler wheel is wiser than the driver of the screw, and whipping cords will serve you more than ropes will ever mm. do. Okay. So clearly I'm not <laughs> that that huge of a, a apple head, as, <laughs> as some might be. But uh, so it, even though there is... <laughs> that huge gap between her last album and this one it definitely feels like a continuation for her getting more into like percussive sounds and very like minimalist arrangements that you know are very unusual and peculiar and yet like beneath whatever experimentation there is in the production like there's still very rock solid like pop songs that are catchy in a weird way and still accessible to an extent and you know still show what a what a great pop songwriter she's she still is and has always been and uh you know i guess this means maybe we'll get another fiona apple album before the end of the decade i guess each album gets like one like the gap becomes one year more than the gap before, so I guess we'll get a new one in twenty twenty nine. Ah. Well, she's already descended into dolphin noises, so I mean, what's it's gonna take nine years of R and D to find out what new sounds she can make. <laughs> yeah, she'll get there. So let me tell you guys about Speed Racer the franchise. It was created by Tatsuo Yoshida who was a manga artist. He was doing some other racing manga, and he saw some Western movies that hella inspired him. He guys guess what movies in the mid-60s really inspired this manga artist. Grand Prix. To... What year was the, ma- was the manga come out? I can tell you this one came out in 1966. I don't actually know for sure the year. Oh, it's got to be Bullet, right? So no to Grand Prix. The two big inspirations for Speed Racer were the 1964 George Sidney film 
Viva Las Vegas, starring Elvis Presley. Mm. And Goldfinger, a 1965 James Bond movie. Mm. Uh, what they inspired were Speed's look. So he's got like the neckerchief, the pompadour. That's his, that's his Elvis side. <laughs> Uh, and he's got a car full of gadgets. That's his James Bond side. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, and so in 1966, Mock Go 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 debuted in Shueisha's 1966 Shonen book, which just means uh, it's comics for little boys. Um, and the title Mock Go 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 is like a crazy pun in Japanese. It's, <laughs> it's got like a million different levels. Basically, it's like... <laughs> Uh, go is the suffix you would use because it's the it's a car named Mach, so Mach Go is just the car Mach. So there's that, but then the main character, his name in Japanese is Go, and of course Go in Japanese is also like we use it here, like yeah, it's like a cheer, so it's like Go Go Go. It's 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 complicated and confusing, um, and uh, and that was the. Uh, my big surprise doing my research on this series is that everyone in Japan just ha- kind of has like regular Japanese names. They, they, they don't have these bizarre cartoon names like they do in the West. Like uh, Spritel? So yeah, I don't know where that came from. Does <laughs> anyone know what that word means? Did I even say it right? Spritel or is it Spritel? Spritel? It's Spritel. Yeah, that, it's not, that's not anything. So I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one, but but in in Japanese his name is uh, Kurio, and Speed Racer is Go Mifune, and uh, Pops is Daisuke. And they're just they just have names. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's weird. I guess that's just what we were doing. Obviously, um, well, it was adapted into an anime series. Uh, it ran for fifty two episodes, uh, from April nineteen sixty seven to March nineteen sixty eight. Because in Japan, you just keep making that shit until it's done. <laughs> There's no seasons. Um, How many episodes is that in that stretch? That's 52 episodes. Oh, wow. Not bad. So, yeah. They, they might not have even missed a week. It might have just been 52 straight <laughs> weeks of, Damn. of mock go, go, go. Um, and it was brought to the United States... During that run, it started uh, airing in 1967 over here. It was brought over by Translux, which is the company that makes those like big LED stock ticker displays. Do you see it? <laughs> like the stock exchange. That was incredibly entertaining. <laughs> For some reason, they're the ones um, that, that brought the show over. They eventually will uh, will lose the rights to uh, like a Speed Racer group. But... Uh, but they're the ones that brought it here. Obviously, Speed Racer wasn't the first uh, anime to make it to the United States. We had shows like Astro Boy and Gigantor. I feel like it's the first one I hear about, though, like when I hear my parents talk about anime. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever met an older, like a boomer that knew about <laughs> Astro Boy, like when it was on. I don't know if right. that's just and because I... of the generational difference. Like, maybe that was, what was, when was Astro Boy? Was that early 60s? Was it even earlier than that? Oh, I think it would be even earlier than that. Uh, but I guess the question is, when did it come to the United States? Yeah. Um, and I don't know that off off the dome. <laughs> I could I could look it up, but I don't want to. Um, but I do have some theories for why this one is a lot of people's first anime. Uh, and 
for one, I think it's more approachable because little boy robots and giant robots are scary to Americans. But fast cars <laughs> and pretty ladies and hunky dudes, that's that's right in our wheelhouse, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and the second reason is MTV. Um, the show started being broadcast early in the morning uh, on MTV, hmm. I think in the late 80s or early 90s. Um, and that led to a resurgence in popularity eventually got picked up by uh, cartoon network where it was folded in with their you know mainly hanna-barbera <laughs> slate of programming back did, in those did that days. play before toonami wasn't in wasn't all like, like what i mean like in the programming block like it wasn't part of toonami it was before or was it part of toonami I don't know. I don't think it was part of toonami because like in sure. my memory like speed racers on and then toonami starts <laughs> Because, like, Speed Race is a little more general audiences. To it's not edgy enough. <laughs> edgy kids. Even though yeah. I recall many episodes where Speed Racer had a gun. Because <laughs> he was a spy. That, that James Bond influence totally makes sense now. It wasn't like a spy, but, like, he was, like, he was solving stuff yeah. going on. He, yeah, Inspector Detector would come and, and get him to work on things all the time. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there was the uh, the masked racer, uh, or as we knew him, Racer X, uh, who was secretly uh, Kenichi Go's brother, aka Rex Speed's brother. Um, and uh, and one of the dynamics on that show is that basically they they would tell you every episode. By the way, this is secretly <laughs> Speed Racer's brother, but Speed doesn't know. Um, oh, so I thought it's interesting that the movie flips it where the like speed's the only one that suspects him of being Rex. Yeah. I think it makes their, their connection a little tighter instead of making speed seem like a real idiot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, a lot of that. Not enough of yeah. that in this movie. <laughs> um, as far as the dubbing, I found out that producer Peter Fernandez, uh, did a lot of the editing and dubbing himself and he voiced Speed and Racer X as well as other characters. So I think this was a pretty small operation uh, on our side. I mean, obviously, it's not being done by a Hollywood studio. It's being done by Translux. So they, they probably don't have a ton of people to work on this. Um, Do you think they're always trying to get stock tickers to show up in the episodes? <laughs> <laughs> I believe they edited the Translux logo into the opening credits originally. Oh, nice. uh, but... The, it was re-edited when we were kids, so it's not the way I remember it. Um, but but he talked about uh, you know there's there's only so much animation, there's only so much mouth movement, and that's what led to the the famous fast talking uh, exposition <laughs> of the Speed Racer series. Yeah. Um. Which I think kind of just went on to become a stereotype for anime in general, um, and. You know, it is what it is. You guys, you got to save some money sometime. Let's also talk about the Wachowski siblings. Because their career is, for some reason, very confusing to me. I don't know why. Writing it all down, it seems very straightforward. But in my head, it's like, what movies did they direct? So I want to just, like, lay that out very clearly so everyone knows. You know, The Matrix is this. Cloud Atlas. It's probably another one in there. I know they, so, they didn't direct. Oh, yeah, Jupiter setting. That was the one I was. Jupiter setting, yeah. Okay. That's, so, that's like it. 
There might have been one before The Matrix. One in the 90s. Yeah. That movie is called Bound. Uh, but they actually were involved in one other movie before that that they did not direct. They they wrote the script for Assassins, a 1994 Warner Brothers movie directed by Richard Donner and starring Sylvester Stallone as the world's number one assassin who has to kill a computer hacker played by Julianne Moore so that he can retire. But he's also being targeted by Antonio Banderas who wants to kill him so he can be the number one assassin in the world, which seems dumb on paper because if that dude retires you automatically get that you don't have to you don't have to kill him is that the movie but, that, uh, that antonio banderas gif is from where he's like looking at the computer and he's like oh, oh yes <laughs> i i don't know but that makes sense um the thing i know about assassins is that it was totally rewritten by uh by brian Helgel helgeland Mm-hmm. He is this guy. Sounds familiar. I don't, don't know. No, I don't know. Who is that? He is the writer of L.A. Confidential, mm-hmm. uh, Mystic River, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Oh, my favorite one. <laughs> Rennie um, Harlan directed that yeah, one. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna we're do that We're just going to do the fourth one. Um, and uh, the Wachowskis hated this so much that even though it was their first movie that was ever made, they tried to get their names taken off of it, uh, which they were unsuccessful at doing. Um, and uh, and that gave them the resolve. They said, if we're gonna, if anything of, of ours gets made, we're gonna have to direct it, or it's gonna be made wrong. Um, I will also note about Assassins: it helped Sylvester Stallone get a rare double Golden Raspberries nomination. Oh, nice. Do you know what other movie he was nominated for? A Golden Raspberry for in 1994? Um, hmm. Okay, we I could definitely figure this out. But the question is, how long will it take me to figure this out? <laughs> 94, huh? Was it Oscar? No, it's no. going to be something funnier than that. Was it Daylight? No. Daylight. Probably not Copland. Uh, probably not Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Mm-mm. Earlier? Oh, that's earlier. 94 you said right that's what i said is it a lead or a supporting oh it's a lead <laughs> oh 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 it's got to be judge dread right it's judge dread <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> remember how armand de is the evil version of judge dread <laughs> it's like is this really Sylvester stallone's equal it's just funny. It's, they had such a hard time with like evil twins in the 90s because they also did Day DeVito as Schwarzenegger's evil twin. They just had no idea what, what evil twins were. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they made their directorial debut with Bound uh, in 1996, which is a movie starring Gina Gershon as an ex-con who has an affair with Jennifer Tilly whose boyfriend Joe Pantoliano is a money launderer for the mafia, so they end up like hatching a scheme to steal money from the mob. This uh, really and, and sounds guess, like a 90s crime movie, yeah. <laughs> having all those people in it. And uh, I guess people like it. It seems like it's pretty... There's a lot of positive buzz around it on, on Wikipedia. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that way you know it's real. 
Um, and so that uh, that paved the way for them to make the Matrix, um, which still seems crazy, uh, even in our era of. Uh, you made one indie movie, you can direct a superhero film. It seems crazy to be like, yeah, we're going to let you make this massive sci-fi action epic uh, based on one hit and, a, and having written a Sylvester Sloan movie that everybody hated. Hey, it's more than but, the Boondock Saints guy had done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 90s were weird, man. Were. Um, the Matrix was obviously huge. It won four Oscars. Uh, it's it's one of the best action movies ever made. I think everybody agrees on that. It's yeah, hard. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to not like The Matrix. It's pretty yeah, good. It's great. We rewatched it a few years ago, and I was like, "Is this going to be stupid now?" And it wasn't. It was. It was pretty good. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, but what was stupid were the two back-to-back sequels <laughs> that they threw themselves into after that. Uh, they were both released in 2003. Uh, I saw that Matrix Reloaded actually was like, it it did well financially and critically. It was it was it was a bona fide hit at the time. Uh, it was really only Revolution that uh, that was had a more of a mixed reaction as well as it made less money than the first Matrix did. Hmm. Um, have you not seen that one, Cole? Not really. Or John has one of you not seen? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I watched some of it in a, like a sci-fi pop culture class I took in high school. But I remember I like missed some days that we were watching it. And I might have fallen asleep during part of it too. So I'm going to say no, I have not seen that movie. It's weird that it takes so many days to watch. Um, yeah, I mean it probably took like four days. It's like a period's usually like 50 minutes and the teacher's got to like talk a little bit for like five yeah, to ten no. minutes, wait for all the late kids to get in. It's yeah, watching a movie in school is hard. Really I remember hard. in a history class in junior high, we watched um, Gone with the Wind, Oof. and it took like a fucking month. Yeah, I did that too. <laughs> That's crazy. It would have been like yeah, it was like two weeks of <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> So this leads into the part of their career that was ambiguous to me. Maybe it's more clear to you guys. Um, so the first thing they did was a rewrite of the 2006 movie The Invasion, the remake of Invasion <laughs> of the Body Snatchers. I don't know why they would have chosen to do this. It's bizarre to me that they wanted to get involved in that. It's an uncredited rewrite. Um, People love that series. It's one. It's like one of those ideas that you can just remake for every time period. <laughs> It's been remade three times. Yeah, I mean, that's so weird. Funny, the '90s version, movie, yeah. '90s version, uh, written by uh, Larry Cohen, who we talked about in our phone booth episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Connor and I saw the invasion. It's an incredibly forgettable movie. It's pretty. It's probably the worst boring. invasion movie they've made. Yeah, but it helped get American audiences used to Daniel Craig. Which was important. Get used to. Like, I don't know about this guy. I'm not used to him yet. <laughs> they also produced V for Vendetta, um, another adaptation. Uh, but they did not direct it themselves. It was James McTeague, who was the first assistant director on the entire Matrix trilogy, who took the helm on that one. That's not one of those movies where it's like, we know who really directed it, is it? Well, they like they wrote it, didn't it? Didn't they? 
Yeah, but they I'm saying, but like, it, yes. you know who really directed it. I mean, it kind of sounds like it if they wrote it and produced it and probably have more sway than James McTeague. But who knows? Yeah, what happened to James McTeague? What happened to James McTeague? Well, let me tell you this. I think he I looked made... it up and he, yeah. Let's hear the rest of his filmography. <laughs> After Speed Racer uh, came out, he made Ninja Assassin, also starring Rain. Because oh, yeah. they were trying to make Rain happen as an actor here. What? And Who? <laughs> Rain, Colin. What's Rain? He's a guy. Rain He's a singer is a K-pop star. Yeah. Okay. They tried to make him a thing. Yeah. All right. He also, I'm going back to James McTeague. I, I don't know anything else about Rain, but he's a singer. I, I, I Googled his most famous song, and I didn't really like it. So, meh. Sorry, Ray. He, he, uh, he also Racer. directed... He's, he's fine in Speed Racer, yeah. Uh, he also directed The Raven in 2012. Oh, yeah. With John Cusack. Yeah, 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 I remember. I didn't see it, but I remember it. <laughs> and then... Good luck remembering either of these movies. Okay. 2015's Survivor. Nope. Starring Mila Jovovich and Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Sounds like and it tw- was, went straight to 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> and 2018's Breaking In, starring uh, Gabrielle Union. Wait, that was... Yeah, I remember the trailers for that. That hmm. was the one where like she gets like locked out of her own house and has to break in to save like her kids, right? <laughs> looks pretty. Looks pretty intense. It looks. It was like a good premise, but I. I, I don't know. I don't know how much I trust this James McTeague. He's also. Uh, he's in the Netflix house now. Uh, he worked on Sense Eight and Marco Polo okay. and uh, and whatever Messiah is. Uh, I'm not sure. Something that came out in January of this year and has already been canceled. But the thing is, like, he did make other movies. <laughs> yes. Because sometimes you get those those movies like. The guy who made Catwoman, like he just disappeared off of the face of the earth. Or Joe Pitka after directing Space Jam. <laughs> or Joe Pitka, yeah. <laughs> what did uh, I hear Joe Pitka almost made? Uh, We're this. We're talking about it, right? This. I think he was involved with this. Yeah, he was involved with this. No, we weren't talking. I was reading on Wikipedia. Because yeah. this movie, and I'm sure you'll get into a little bit of it, Sean, was in like... People are talking about making this movie for fucking ever. But we'll get into that if, if we do get into that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of all I know is that in the 90s, Joe Pitka uh, was going to make the adaptation. Uh, and the casting, according to Wikipedia, was going to be Henry Rollins <laughs> as Racer X and Johnny Depp as Speed Racer. I can I can imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. And then it it's it sounds like it just totally fell apart. Joe Pitka left. They tried to bring in other directors like Gus Van Zant and <laughs> Alfonso Cuarón. Uh, I want to see Gus Van Zant speed racer. So weird. I can't even imagine it. <laughs> all, all I know is Flea would be in it. Uh, yeah, sure. Next, give me. That's fucking weird, uh, though. 
They also managed to attract some notable screenwriters, Mark Levin, Jennifer Flackett, J.J. Abrams, and Patrick Reed Johnson all were hired at certain points to write this movie. Wow. Um, and then they, they tried to pull it together again in 2000 uh, with music video director Hype Williams. Gotta love that name. I, <laughs> I mean, like that does kind of sound right for the style that this Hype movie ended Williams. up having. Who's hype? I'm gonna look this up. It is Don't so weird how Hollywood just like latches onto these projects, and they're like, "We're gonna make this. We gotta do it, no matter how many times it fails to materialize. It's gonna happen, even if it's like a weird idea that like." is really hard to market to any one particular demographic like speed racers just like gotta do it or one that they're always saying they finally cracked is he-man like a new he-man movie they've been like there's been so many rewrites and like scripts for a new he-man movie but supposedly they're finally doing it. Just, just feel like it's got a bomb at the box office after. Yeah, because it's fucking he-man who wants to see that there's already one he-man movie it's fucking garbage I don't. I don't understand. They just. I wonder. This last attempt is in 2004. They cast Vince Vaughn as Racer X. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could see uh, that. And also as a producer. I wonder if they were thinking we could do like a Starsky and Hutch <laughs> style, like throwback comedy movie remake of a series, or if they were going to do it seriously. Well, the, what 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 time period are we talking when Vince Vaughn was supposedly attached? Two thousand four. Oh, yeah, that's tough because that's right as he's transitioning into I'm a slacker guy who wears sweatpants and jokes around. Because in the nineties, Vince Vaughn was like mostly a serious actor, so it's hard to say. I don't know if I want to see the the jokey version of Speed Racer, <laughs> the slacker sweatpants version of Speed Racer. <laughs> Ben Stiller as Speed Racer. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> I don't feel like he's likable enough to play Speed Racer. Well, who would be Speed Racer in the Vince Vaughn Speed Racer? Maybe Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, they could be brothers. I'll, I'll take it. But in the end, uh, Joel Silver and the Wachowskis got a hold of the project. Uh, Joel Silver had uh, produced V for Vendetta as well as the Matrix trilogy, and uh, the Wachowskis themselves had said they were interested in trying to reach a broader audience by not making an R-rated movie. They wanted something that their uh, their nieces and nephews could go see. Um, and so I guess they all agreed that this Speed Racer project was the uh, the one for that, and they considered a lot of people for the role of Speed, including. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Shia LaBeouf, and Zac Efron uh, before eventually settling for Emile Hirsch. Those all sound about as good as what we got. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would have been a lot less excited about Zac Efron in 2008 than I would It would have made you a fan earlier. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Would it though? Sean didn't see this movie. (laughs) But maybe just be like, I respect him I guess this. yeah, it shot even less likely to see. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, just I guess just step back again, just a little more context. After this, the Wachowskis they make Jupiter Ascending, 
they also independently produced Cloud Atlas. They couldn't secure funding for it, so they financed it themselves. So it's technically the most expensive independent film of all time <laughs> at that time. Um, these flops totally obliterate their relationship with Warner Brothers. They don't want to work with them anymore. Um, and so then they start making Sensate on Netflix, um, which it sounds like is for a Netflix show, like it does fine ratings wise, but it was like insanely expensive. Mm. Like each episode costs like a hundred million dollars. It's nuts how expensive Sensate was. Um, so, so Netflix canceled it. Um, uh, but then the fans begged for, uh, some closure and they brought it back for a finale, like Christmas special thing. Um, and I, and I guess uh, Lana maintains that, that if enough people watch that, eventually they could do even more. And, and she has a whole other season of Sense8 planned. But I mean, I haven't even gotten around to watching Sense8 yet, so I just don't think people are coming. If, I, if I'm not watching it, who is? <laughs> if you're not watching it and it costs $100 million an episode, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, and, and then I think the most interesting thing to me is right now, Lily and Lana are working on separate projects for the first time in their whole careers. Uh, Lily is show running uh, a, a show called Work in Progress on Showtime. And, and obviously Lana has been uh, working on the fourth Matrix movie, which I assume production is suspended right now, but was shooting recently. Um, really? Yeah, in San Francisco. Huh. Didn't know that that was happening. Oh yeah, they were shooting it, man. Yeah. They're good to go. <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss is back. Yeah, a bunch of dead people are in this movie. <laughs> the uh, the last thing I want to talk about before we start just talking about this movie specifically was the year it came out because I think 2008 was the first real 21st century year in movies um it was the year that comic book movies became a like dominant cultural force at the cinema we had both uh dc's the dark knight and marvel's iron man and the incredible hulk uh as well as wanted i guess (laughs) everybody liked wanted it was the launching point for some for for animation being another big moneymaker with movies like Wally, Kung Fu Panda, Bolt, and Madagascar Escape to Africa. Uh, there was a lot of franchise resurrection as well as f- franchise generation with movies like Twilight, Rambo, Quantum of Solace, The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, The X-Files, I Want to Believe, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I feel like some of these movies are not making your case because it's just like, and what is this, the 90s? Another great car movie. Do you guys know which oh, one I'm talking about? Great car It's movie. kind of a car movie. Um, Gran Torino. Gran Torino. <laughs> Hell yeah. I would love to see uh, Clint Eastwood enter one of these speed racer races in his Gran Torino. <laughs> What's all this shit? He would definitely have a gun. Um, Really, to me, the big disconnect between 2008 and uh, a year like 2019 is that the comedy movies were still a thing. We had, uh, you know, the recent Apatow uh, renaissance happening. So 
Uh, he didn't direct any movies that year, but some of his like adjacent properties, like Pineapple Express and Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Step Brothers, all came out in two thousand eight, uh, as well as like Tropic Thunder and Yes Man, The House Bunny. Um, that's kind of a shame because I feel like with I don't know if theaters are going to be a thing when we get out of this, but if they are, I don't think comedy movies are going to be playing in them, and it's. It's weird to think it wasn't that long ago that there were like a lot of comedy movies and they're pretty funny. I'll cycle back. Yeah, I'll never forget the fact that Wedding Crashers did better than Batman Begins. That's hilarious to me now. <laughs> I'm looking at every movie released in 2008 and seeing where Speed Racer landed. Yeah, there are so many like memorable movies to me that came out in 2008. Doubt, Milk, The Reader, Revolutionary Road, Slumdog Millionaire, The Wrestler, W, The Fall, Frost Nixon, Frozen River, Happy Go Lucky, Rachel Getting Married, Shotgun Stories, Snecting in New York, My Winnipeg, Man on Wire, In Bruges, Cloverfield. There's just, there's a lot of shit coming out in that year. Yikes. I'm looking, uh, so I'm like, I got the numbers here. Out of all the movies at, um, in, from 2008, Speed Racer was number 66 <laughs> on that list, which puts it just under role models and just above the tale of Despero. Wow. Hey, it did better than Max Payne. (laughs) Yeah, video game adaptations will just never be a thing. It works. Um, What what was Tale of Despero? Is that an animated thing? It's like a mouse movie. I think it's a Gary Ross movie, maybe. Hmm. You know, Pleasantville, Gary Ross. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting looking up the movies that did better than Speed Racer, like Step Up 2 and Vantage Point. 27 dresses you know good stuff <laughs> yeah god there were so many movies in 2008 it was a crazy year let me look up the top 10 dark knight crystal skull kung fu panda hancock <laughs> really hancock was the fourth highest grossing <laughs> movie of 2008 will smith was huge mama mia madagascar uh quantum of solace iron man wally chronicles of narnia that's your 10 yeah it's a weird oh. group of movies <laughs> Good for Prince Caspian. I didn't think anyone gave a shit. I'm very surprised. Yeah, Sex in the City, number eleven. <laughs> I could, we could, do, I could spend all day talking about 2008 because I very, I've seen a lot of these. I very vividly remember a lot of these movies. But it's a very eclectic. A lot of animation, a lot of comedy, and like the dawn of superhero movies. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no room for Speed Racer. <laughs> it's, it just got squeezed out. It's, it's a real shame. Or is it? I guess we'll find out as we talk about uh, how crazy this movie is. And it it does not uh, pull any punches. It throws you right into the deep end. Uh, the movie opens up with this like crazy kaleidoscope effect that just leaves you totally disoriented. And then doubles down on that by cross-cutting between multiple timelines uh, very, very quickly. Um, but what I think it shows roughly is uh speed racing uh in a race and basically remembering his whole life and what led to him being in that race um which is uh him being a bad student in school and befriending trixie uh who weirdly is played the young trixie is played by ariel winter from modern (laughs) family i noticed that Uh, (laughs) future star me too Future, future very future. rich child actor who is also the target of one of the creepiest groups of people on the internet <laughs> yeah 
Worlds of Sickness. Right up there with the with like the Olsen twins. I have it's so weird these child stars that the internet picks to be like they're hot. I can't wait till they're eighteen. Mm. It's so gross. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that detour. Um, we also see uh, uh, Speed's brother Rex. Uh, is making enemies. <laughs> Someone sends a, a bomb home with speed one day, um, and uh, and eventually Rex decides to leave the family and become a bad racer. He's taking people out. He's he's racing dirty, uh, and then he mysteriously dies in an accident at Casa Cristo, and uh, then that breaks the family's heart. And uh, and we cut back to the present where speed is. Uh, racing at that same racetrack where Rex has set the record and, and Speed chooses to uh, lay off the gas just a little bit at the end to, to finish just behind Rex's, uh, Rex's record there. Uh, how are you guys handling the transition into the world of this movie at this point? Um, I, li- I liked it a lot at, at first because this movie uh, starts quick as it should. I didn't mind the cutting back and forth. That was fine. I like seeing the, the stuff as him as a kid. And as for like the look of the movie in this world, I never really settled on how I felt about it. Sometimes <laughs> I was pretty into it, and sometimes like there's one scene early on where I think his brother's like picking him up from school, and I'm like, this looks like Lazy Town or something. This doesn't look like a yeah. real world. But like, it looks pretty cool when they're like. I don't know. There's a part where they're, they're like a maybe they're in a chopper or some sort of plane or in the air, and you can just see out the window, and like that looks cool. Like when they're inside of a cool set, and you see the window of the outside world. Like the sets are great. I'd say overall, I guess I like the look. It it's even more fantastical than the cartoon show ever was. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's so many colors. Um, so I was on board. Um, as for the actual races, I think we'll probably get into that. Um, I don't know. I couldn't really decide on how I felt about the, how the actual races looked, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, it, I think it was the good idea to do like the weird, uh, elaborate tracks as opposed to just like on the original show, where it's just more traditional. It's more like a, I don't know what you call that kind of racing. Stock just out. car. Yeah, like stock car racing. Like there's no, there's nothing ever that crazy in the original show in terms of the actual race. So yeah. I like that they made it goofy. That's fun. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with John. Like, the first half hour, I I really enjoyed because it it does just pick up with a great snappy energy, and I, it, <laughs> yeah, it is a little disorienting just seeing the bright color palette of this world at first, just being like, oh yes, this is a cartoon world, most definitely. Um, and overall, I I did like the look of it, and I liked kind of the ambition of of committing to such a colorful like sprawling universe even though there are definitely moments where i'm just like this is too green screen it feels a little too fake but the the scenes where it's mostly you know all real set design that that's always really cool but i think it is I don't know. Like any movie from this period now, the CG is not going to hold up that well, especially when you rely on it a decent amount, which this movie does, especially for the raising. 
Yeah, they do a, a thing a lot where they are cutting sort of between like medium close takes of actors. Like it's move, like the camera's constantly moving. Um, so clearly they're like stitching together different green screen shots. <laughs> but it's 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 so disorienting to me because they they don't have to do the establishing shots. Like the, that's part of it is that like it wants you to feel like everything is sort of happening immediately. Um, and and they also are using, uh, I think, photographs of real locations blended in with their CG environments, mm-hmm. which for me is what made like the suburban settings look terrible. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I think that technique worked really well for the more industrial stuff as well as the um, like the deserts and the the icy mountains that you see later on. But boring suburbia just looked bad. <laughs> To me, like John said, it looked like a, it looked like a kids' show, which this kind of is. I mean, this movie has the weird anime morning cartoon fantasy thing, where I- we're introduced to <laughs> Spritel and Chim Chim as they imagine themselves in their favorite cartoon. Yeah. Okay, Colin, I, I'm sensing that you're not a fan of, of, of Spritel and Chim Chim. No, not really. I mean, it's fine if they were like just background characters that had a few quips every once in a while, but it, they have like actual full scenes where they go on adventures, and I'm just not trying. It just feels like I'm watching Spy Kids when they show up I, on screen. I think I kind of like Spritel. Weird. I think I kind of like him. Okay. I didn't hate him. I don't know. I I, I, I thought it was fun. I don't think the movie needed to be any longer than it was, but that he had these weird, like, where he, he imagines himself in, like, an anime or something. Like, that was kind of a fun little touch. And I love seeing quality chimp acting, and this movie has quality chimp acting up the wazoo. Uh, my bigger problem, and this is a problem with all of Speed Racers. Okay, so he's uh, Speed's brother, right? Like, how? what's the age gap between these brothers? <laughs> How long are they having kids? Right? Because just based off of this movie, you'd think Rex is what? Like maybe 10 years older than Speed? And then you'd think Speed is at, is 10 years older than Spritel, right? So he's got like a brother who's like 20 years older than him? I don't know. That's the cartoon's problem. That's not this thing's problem. I was just, I was just thinking about that. Hmm. I don't know if you guys if that guy struck you as weird. I, it's I the first time I'd ever thought about, about it. <laughs> It's not that big. Not that important. But yes, you know. Spritel, he's okay. Not that bad. He's he's worse on the cartoon. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like he complains a lot more. Like, oh no, why can't I come? Plus, he's talking way faster on the cartoon. So it's even more annoying. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. think I, I guess I, I'm more on the con side. I think he's really good in small doses, but um, I like I don't need him getting in front of the kiss at the end of the movie. You know? Oh, it's like I don't think. Yeah, that's not funny. That was just lame. <laughs> Even though I understand why he's in more of it, I guess it's just because they had committed to it being a kids' movie. Even though I'm not sure that this movie should have gone for that and i don't even know if it feels like a kid's movie apart from the spritel scenes 
know. What makes you doubt its status as a kid's movie? I don't know. It just seems too cool, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it seems more like a PG-13 movie to me. It feels like I did a notice, movie to me. I did notice at the end, uh, Speed says something to the effect of, get that shit off my track. Mm. Like He drops an S-bomb and didn't affect the PG rating, I guess. Yeah. I think you can get away You're with You're allowed one. one shit, right? Sure. It's not like there was a ton of violence or sex in the rest of the movie. They were saving it all for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is when uh, Royalton comes and visits and tries to sell the family on, uh, on having uh, racer motors be sponsored by Royalton Industries. Um. Um, you know, it's it's clearly like I'm a bad corporation. It's it's funny that we watched uh, two in a row where it's like <laughs> like these people who are the best at what they do are trying to be absorbed by an evil giant corporation that wants to make a lot of money. Was anybody familiar with this actor who played Royalton? I uh-uh. was not. Roger Allen? I thought he I was either. amazing in this movie. <laughs> He's very good. He see. I assumed like Sean might know him from British panel shows or something. He seems like the kind of guy who might do that kind of thing. Yeah. I guess he's not looking at his filmography. Not necessarily a comedic actor, even though it's a very comedic role. I mean, to an extent. Yeah. He just does a lot of British TV. But yeah, he's great. It's just like the exact right tone for this type of character. Like I feel like some of the other actors didn't quite settle on what. <laughs> like what the hook of their character was but he just plays it totally straight very over the top but like you know he's playing it like it's shakespeare or something it's just like really fun to watch you attribute that statement colin who do you think isn't nailing the tone of this movie it's not that they're not nailing the tone it's just like they failed to like break out of Like just being there to facilitate the plot and the visuals. Like, where do you think Emil Hirsch stands in in terms of that? He's, I mean, he's fine. I think all the actors are fine, but I, I want like a little more. And Emil Hirsch is, I think, solid, but doesn't like bring any personality really to the role. And I know Speed Racer's probably supposed to be more of a blank slate, but I need to. I don't know, just something, just a little like charm or, or humor or something coming from him. But he's. I think they should have made him dumber. Yeah, I mean, just anything that, that would make him like a slightly comedic character or or just a character with a personality. Kind of like the energy of Chris Pratt and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Would have been good. Yeah. Well, I mean, because they, they have him, they, they talk about how he like basically flunked out of school. If it wasn't for Trixie's help, he would have like failed everything because he only thinks about racing. Which, to me, made me think about like Goku in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> uh, and and like, what makes Goku charming is like that, that dude only loves fighting. It's the only thing that matters. He's a terrible father. He's an idiot. Uh, he's very selfish. And, and like those sort of... Uh, traits could have been fleshed out in in speed as well i think and made him a a more interesting main character than just like he's a good guy who wants to do the right thing all the time and he's also fucking good at racing so so it would have been better if they got justin chatwin to be (laughs) because he was goku i I bet he was considered at some point (laughs) he was hot stuff in 2008 
I did have like I was thinking about like one thing that I think really works well for Speed Racer is I feel like the Wachowskis get the appeal of Speed Racer. They get that like people kind of liked it in, in, in like kind of a way that it was kind of a silly show and they amped that up. Whereas I feel, I feel like when like the people that made like Dragon Ball Evolution or uh, Avatar The Last Airbender like totally misinterpreted the appeal or what was interesting or good about those properties. So I will give the Wachowskis credit where I feel like they get what's good about Speed Racer, so that's what they bring to the screen. So now I will ask you guys, what was Royalton's plan? <laughs> oh, don't, fuck. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just to own all the racing <laughs> in the world. I don't he already know. does. No. I, then I don't so, know. He wants to kill Speed. I don't know. Well, later, yes. Uh, so what's going on is Royalton owns one of the two transponder foundries in the world uh and his latest race car uses a trans transponder to power it this isn't real right (laughs) (laughs) transponders just check it before we go any further this is a made-up thing right yeah okay good and so he wants his car, which will be driven by Cannonball Taylor, to win at the Grand Prix so that everyone wants to buy cars with transponders. And his only competition is Musha Mortars, which is the, the Japanese company that uh, you see. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy, he's in, he's like one of the go to Japanese actors in the United States. Uh. Uh, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata. Hiroyuki Sonata. Yeah, soon he's, to be in the Mortal new Mortal Kombat movie. Sure, he's going to be Good the new Scorpion, which is surprising because he's like sixty years old. Yeah. So, so Royalton is going to buy out Musha's transponder foundry on the condition that Musha can buy out. Togokan, which is their chief rival, and the way their Royalton is going to make that happen is by in, uh, like basically putting a hit out on the Togokan driver, uh, who's played by Rain, uh, so that he loses in all the races, and then their stock price is driven down to an all-time low so that Musha or Relton can buy them out. And uh, and that's we 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 find that out over the course of the movie but it's also explained at this point when when Speed declines Royalton's offer and Royalton explains that basically all of uh, the Grand Prix champions have, are predetermined and it's all just a scheme to drive up stock prices. I got some of that when we watched it uh, and then I forgot. Yeah. But I I think I think it's really hard to put together that um, the the gangster guys we see are all working for Royalton because there's never a scene of them together. It seems like they have their own independent motivation, except they're actually they're doing Royalton's agenda. Right. Um, so you get the scene where Togokan is going to have his hand fed to the piranhas that the gangster guy has. That's all part of 
part of their scheme to to make him lose, and they're also threatening his sister. Um, and uh, and this is also a reference to the uh, the original series because we find out that the what appears to be like the seedy uh, basement of a restaurant or something is actually a huge uh, car being driven down the road. Uh, and that is a reference to the Mammoth Car, which is, I guess, one of the iconic episodes of uh, of the Speed Racer TV show, where they have this Mammoth Car, which is just like a shitload of RVs all like trained together. So it's it's just like two miles long. It's crazy, and for some reason, it's racing. And they're like, "This is a real threat to us on a racetrack. It's so fast. It's so big." Um. um Obviously, uh, Rex, or sorry, sorry for the spoiler. Racer X saves, uh, saves Togacon, um, and um, and then they're all able to race at uh, the Fuji Helixicon, <laughs> which to me this is the like this is such a forgettable race. I don't know why uh, all the other races are so cool, and the Fuji Helixicon has such a cool setting. It's like this tropical. Uh, island race um but they just very quickly show everyone getting taken out it's not a very memorable part of the movie it's a shame it is fine (laughs) (laughs) i i was never like super into any of the races like there'd be like certain shots like oh that's cool and then another shot where i'm like yeah like calling out spy kids like yeah every once in a while i'd get a spy kids vibe by a couple shots yeah Yeah, i get Um, that but like they're edited pretty nicely like they they moved at a at a good speed as they should yeah yeah the 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 way that the, the they're like steering all four tires independently so they can do these crazy turns is cool and i do love speed's gadgets in his car that is definitely that definitely is fun right which is why i think the movie really hits its stride for me in this next part because uh inspector detector arrives and he gets a uh, team racer uh interested in racing in the Casa Cristo classic rally um, which Pops Racer forbids because it's super dangerous, nobody follows the rules, and that's also the race that uh, that Rex died in um, but Trixie and Speed decide to go race in it anyway um, and they tell Pops that they've gone skiing which I love because later on Pops is like, Speed can't be there, he's off skiing Dude, how good is John Goodman in this movie? <laughs> he's so good. He's really good, especially I love him so much. the ninja part, which we'll talk about. Oh, yes, it's incredible. It's why he should have won an Oscar for that. <laughs> John Goodman looks perfect. He looks like a, he looks like Mario, Super Mario. <laughs> love it. Yeah, I guess we talked about Spyro. We didn't talk about the rest of the the racer family. Yeah, I, I got some I, thoughts. I, I, I know that Mom Racer is a very, very small part of of the uh, the original show and probably the manga and everything else associated with it. So I liked Susan Sarandon's like loving, supporting mother in this, but I, I also sort of feel like they fleshed out a role that didn't exist, but they didn't come up with anything interesting about it because this movie's just trying to be wholesome. So they're just like what if she, she's like a really wholesome, loving caring mother mm-hmm. what about christina ricci how do you feel about christina ricci i will 
I'm not sure I have an opinion. I think she's fine. Because it was weird, like, watching this, because I'm like, oh, yeah, she was in stuff, and then disappeared, and then was in this, and then disappeared again. Because I remember, like, I think a little, a few years before this, Black Snake Moan came out. I'm like, oh, I guess Christina Ricci's oh, back. Oh, yeah. And then she did this, and then I don't know. I'm not sure what happened. I think she's fine. Not very a very interesting character, but, you know. She's got the uh, the right look for being in an anime movie. Oh, she's yeah, got definitely. those huge eyes. Huge eyes. She's still a better character than that. There's that one dude. I could not tell you his name to save my life. The guy who's like part of Speed's crew. Speed's has, best friend, has, Sparky. He has like a hat. Yeah. I, I, I can't tell you anything that a guy does in the movie or who plays him. He's Australian and he like yeah. works on his cars. He's like a mechanic, I guess. Sparky. Who played play by Kick Curry? Not familiar with the actor. Australian, yes. Um, was an Edge of Tomorrow, I guess, and Jupiter Ascending, so they like using it. <laughs> I think it was very clever of them to take this uh, underwritten role and give it to somebody with a different accent, because now everyone does remember, oh yeah, there's that Australian guy. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, and we haven't talked about uh, Racer X. Um <sighs> Well, depending on which version we talk about of the, the character, because it's, of course, played by two different actors at different points in his life. Though I'd like to to touch on Matthew Fox. I thought he totally nailed the voice. Like, I try, like I, I had these recollections of what that character was like in the original cartoon. I feel like Matthew Fox sounded exactly like him. I thought, I thought he nailed it. Uh, and then the earlier version. Isn't that the guy from... Uh, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Yeah. I can only remember his character's name on Friday Night Lights, Jason Street. I don't know the actor's Street. name. Nobody oh, cares. God. I love the explanation, too, of how it's a different actor later. It's so good. <laughs> I wonder if that was on the cartoon, too. Probably not. It's just so random. Should, I, should we save that, or should we talk about it now? Well, no, it's fine. It. It's 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 very Star Trek, because on Star Trek, they're always like, we're going to have you surgically modified so you look like a Klingon or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this kind of twist, I was totally on board for. I was ready for it. And I, was, uh, I enjoyed seeing it happen. What did you think of it, John? I thought it was hilarious. I it totally was on board. They got plastic surgery to give him a new face. But he still wears a mask, so what's the point? It's really, it's, yeah. What? <laughs> I don't understand the motivation behind it, but it's like it's it's, it's silly enough to work, I suppose. In this, it's universe. almost like they're just trying to write around. It's like we can't make Matthew Fox like eighteen; it'll never work. I, I guess. But we can't have like an eighteen-year-old guy play Racer X. So that was—I don't know. Yeah. No way that was in the cartoon show. It's way too insane. <laughs> just feel like they could have gotten someone in the middle of Matthew Fox and the younger actor age-wise, but yeah, once you get Fox, you can't turn him down. <laughs> this was a big year. This is the vantage point year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so this is when he was getting super ripped, right? Um, I mean, I don't know, because I remember he was super ripped in Alex Cross, which is a little later. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. When they're trying well, to make Todd Perry an action star. <laughs> he's working on getting super ripped. I mean, he's always been in good shape, so it's not like he wasn't in good yeah, shape. Yeah, but in Alex Cross, he's menacing. He's like skinny yeah, ribs. Muscles on muscles. 
It's Jesus ripped. <laughs> I do like Matthew Fox. Um, I can imagine how some people may think there's a blandness to him, but I've liked him in everything I've ever seen him in. So, no. I think his blandness works. I'm on the here. Fox train. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his blandness definitely works in this role. Because like Racer X is basically a robot in the way he presents himself and talks. <laughs> Pretty much. So it works. Just looking up uh, Matthew Fox's career. Just looking up pictures of him and Alex Cross. <laughs> Gosh, in between 2008... Okay, so Alex Cross is his next movie after Speed Racer, but it's still like three years later. Not a huge... He had, uh, to, he had to hit the gym hard. <laughs> he's only made one, two, three, five movies since Speed Racer. His most recent movie is Bone Tomahawk. Wow. That was a while ago, man. That was 2015. We need more Matthew Fox. Bring him maybe, back. Maybe he's just happy. He's got his money. He's like, I got so ripped. This is uh, there's, this is all I ever wanted. <laughs> really he ripped for me. He got that ripped. <laughs> That's the truth. He's like, he can't get any more ripped, so he might as well quit. <laughs> Just wait for the Party of Five reboot. Party of Six. That actually, that happened, didn't yeah, it? it? Oh did. my god, there was a Party of Five reboot. It was cancelled recently. <laughs> Weren't they like a Damn family it. displaced because their parents got deported or something? Yeah, it was. It was topical. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, and, and speaking of the characters, I love the very broadly drawn um, headhunters that are hired to take out Team Togacon in the rally. We have the the ladies who are in like pink cars and they love diamonds and they have like. Soldier guys who love money so much that when they see it, their eyes turn to dollar signs, which is a, which is a really creepy visual in real life. <laughs> I found that to be the most unsettling <laughs> image in the entire movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and and finally, there are the Vikings, and all they want are furs. And that part grossed me out because they're eating like turkey <laughs> legs. They must be covered in grease, and they just start rubbing those furs on their faces. <laughs> Disgusting. I love when movies have themed games. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> doesn't happen enough um and uh and speed in this rally he's he's teamed up with Togacon and uh, racer x he's driving the mach 5 so a little detail you guys might not have noticed in those first two races he's driving the mach 6 oh i did it which notice. is their their racing car the mach 5 is a, is a more of a street car i guess in this and that's why that's why i got all retrofitted for kicking ass um, and they have to build the uh, the Mach Six again from scratch later on in the movie, because Mach Six gets destroyed in the Fuji Helexicon, the previous race. Right. right. Um, I think the first day of the race is fun. Lots of uh, jumping and uh, fighting. I love uh, the like Mario Kart style attacks that you see. Uh, things like throwing a <laughs> beehive at a racer. Um, there's a part where uh, one of the racers has like spikes on their wheels, and Speed has a shield on his wheel, and they're like, like fighting, like having like a sword fight. Um, and yeah, and like I said, lots and lots and lots of flips, uh, with where they still use the uh, the old uh, flipping sound effect from the cartoon, which is a nice touch, because it's very distinct and memorable. Um. 
but uh, I think the part we all want to talk about is that night where uh, Team Togacon gathers together uh, and the Racer family shows up and then they are attacked by quote-unquote ninjas. They ninjas. And going all the way back to the James Bond influence, I love the uh, the touch of the lowering the uh, the poison on a on a wire. Yeah, toad constant mm-hmm. mouth, just like in uh, You Only Live Twice. And uh, and then Matthew Fox gets to fight his ninja, and it's like, oh yeah, this is, these are the Matrix guys. They know how to do fight scenes. I mean, this ninja scene for me just boils down to one shot. <laughs> I think you guys know which one it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it him? Is it Pops spinning? It's John a Goodman over- spinning a ninja over his head. <laughs> it's the greatest visual in cinematic history. It's oh, it's such a good reveal. They zoom in on his ring where it's like wrestling champion of the world. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, Pops had a life before he was Pops. You know, <laughs> you forget your parents are also people sometimes. Um, I think the rest of that fight isn't that bad either. There's the the part where Spritel is holding the ninja and Speed is punching him, so he like falls back and then stands back up like a punching bag. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, all the fights in this movie are good. That's one thing this movie does right is, is combat. It's <laughs> weird for a racing movie, but I mean, hey, Speed had a gun on that show all the time. <laughs> this is the logical. Next point for Speed Racer. True. Um, and I was also uh, overjoyed that Pops throws the ninja out the window, presumably to his <laughs> death. Like, that's a long fall. Uh, and he says, more like a ninja. Great. Terrible it's so good. passes for a ninja these days. It's, so, it's all good. It's gold. <laughs> Frame it. Love it. Um, so since Togokan was poisoned, this part confuses me. Since Togokan was poisoned, he can't race the next day. So Trixie takes his place. I'm fine with that. But Togokan dresses up as his sister on a private jet. And the mobster guy shows up and Togokan beats him up. So he's like healthy enough to fight that guy. <laughs> i mean i guess we don't know how long they've been racing they do say that the the rally spans three continents so maybe they've been going for a while by the time this scene happens um and so they meet up at the uh at the this valley uh near the mountain which is the end of the race and the uh, team Togacan's in the lead, but they got to make the switch so the Togacan can drive his car to the finish line. And uh, this is when the other uh, gangster guys show up, and there's another fight scene that includes poop being thrown in someone's face <laughs> and guns. guns Don't shoot a gun though; they just point them. You got a problem with that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I honestly I was surprised that they even had guns. Because it's PG? Uh, yeah. Okay. The the race concludes with them taking on Snake Oiler, 
uh, who is uh, the Royalton's favorite, the Fixer's favorite, uh, to, to make it into the Grand Prix. Uh, he shoots oil out of the back of his car. Big surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Speed is able to, even though he flies off the mountain, he's able to fly back onto it using jumps and wheel spikes. All those gadgets coming in handy. Um, except they set up he had like a like a drone when they're going through all the things he has. And they never use that drone. I guess it's probably just a... They're probably just going over everything that he had in the cartoon, I assume. I also like that you have to do like a little bit of memorization. They don't put little icons for what the gadgets are. They're just let a... They're just A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So you got to remember which is which. Um, okay. So let me explain the weird corporate plot you again. You must. So te- <laughs> so, Very so, complicated. So Team Togokan wins, which drives up their prices. But they are still willing to sell out to Royalton. So Royalton's pissed, but he still buys them out. And that's when Inspector Detector and Speed and Racer X realized that they were set up. That uh, Togokan, who had previously hired them uh, because uh, he said if he wins, he, he could give them evidence about the bad shit Relton's been up to, uh, had no actual intention of giving that evidence up. That evidence might not have even existed. He just wanted to make sure his family made more money. So everything is actually still going according to Relton's plans. It's just more expensive. But they did win over Royalton's sister, uh, who shows up with a special invitation because Speed was on the winning team. So Speed gets to go race in the Grand Prix, and the family helps him rebuild the Mach 6. Um, and Inspector Detector shows up and makes sure they're allowed to compete. And uh, everybody is hired by Royalton to try to take speed out. But it doesn't even matter. He's such a good racer. And Togokan and Racer X aren't in this race, so everyone's a bad guy, so he can just totally unleash on everyone. He's blowing cars up. I like how like ruthless this race is. He like like I know the movie shows that people get like enveloped in a bubble so they don't die when their <laughs> car explodes, but he explodes a lot of cars in this uh this final race. Um and uh, yeah, he's 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 re- remembers that uh, that he's racing for himself, and he's trying to change the face of racing so it's not just total corporate fuck. Um, Cannonball Taylor shows up. He's in the he's in the the car with the transponder drive that uh, that's going to get him into the Hall of Fame. But he also has a spear hook device which he tries to use to stop speed from taking first place from him. Uh, but Speed's able to jump up in front of a camera so everyone sees that he was cheating, and he uh, gets gets uh, Cannonball's car destroyed, and he's able to restart the Mach 6, and he does he, he drives a perfect lap where he goes into seemingly light speed, like the, the world just turns into a kaleidoscope again. Um, and Speed wins the race and gets to drink that cold milk. <laughs> Do you guys know what that's about? Is that a thing he does on the show? No, it's not. It's a thing we do in real life. Oh, that sounds familiar. But the Indy 500, yeah. But unappealing to me. Col- 
Yeah, they they collaborate with uh, American dairy farmers to provide uh, milk milk of your choice uh, to the winning racer at the Indy 500. So you can choose if you want, uh, you know, non-fat, one percent, two percent, presumably like lactose-free, non-dairy milk. Although I don't think that's happened yet. What about cause... chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I maybe. Yeah, that's something we can look into. Um, so a little, little homage to, to real life, uh, a to rare homage real to life. real life from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, yeah. didn't think I'd have to wait to get it from this movie. <laughs> Two hours in, <laughs> and uh, and like we talked about before, Rex reveals his identity to the audience. Uh, which is great, and um, Speed goes in to kiss Trixie, and Spritel does a stupid oh cootie warning. Um, and then as the movie goes to credits, we see uh, like uh, the like magazines and newspapers telling us about what happened after the race, and basically it sounds like uh, Royalton got <laughs> fucked over by the law, <laughs> thrown in jail, bad man. So. Happy ending for everyone involved, and yeah, would you, I, I think a lot of people have said that what they like about this movie is how wholesome <laughs> it is. It's a weird thing to like about a movie. Is that what you liked about it, Sean? Colin and I talked about how we felt about it. I feel like I haven't gotten your full take on the movie. I just like the racing. You like the racing? That's what puts I it think- over the edge for you. <laughs> I like the the gadgets and the racing and the fighting. And joking around. I mean, I guess it's John something Goodman. you don't really get in a lot of movies. Is I mean, just even just not even that many racing movies that get made yeah. in general. Yeah, the Fast and the Furious, but they're not really racing. <laughs> After like the first two movies, that's not really the yeah. main focal point. I mean, they're not really racing in this either. Shooting beehives. At yeah, but that's because they're trying to win the race. <laughs> Dude, this is why they got to make a twisted metal movie. I just want to see car damage. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, but there's no universe in which that is good. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point. Yeah. So, and Sean, how did you feel about the the visuals of this movie and the special effects and all that jazz? Yeah, the. I think. When it's industrial, when they're when we're looking at the the race cars, it looks great. Uh, you don't even notice that the um, you know the speed you're looking at is a CG character uh, instead of the actor. It's it's so fast uh, and it's so colorful and fun that uh, even though it does occasionally like totally seem outside of reality, it just looks like a cartoon. Um, it's fine. Yeah, it's fun. I think it works more than it doesn't work, Mm-mm. which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, which is impressive. Uh, but yeah, like I th- overall I thought the movie was good. It was fine, but yeah, I mean, I think the the main things that I was I did not like um, the fact that Colin, neither or Colin or I could tell you what this movie was about. I think and also it, it's it not does, a super <laughs> yeah get a little like. I don't know, dragged down by the plot mechanics in the second it's act. It's plot heavy, yeah. which is weird for Speed Racer. And it's also kind of long. It's not super long, but it's long enough. <laughs> I, I felt I that way, I thought it was a little too. shorter. 
Yeah. A little shorter, maybe a little sim- a little more simple. I, I, I would have really liked it, whereas I just liked it. Yeah, if they had built the movie around those two main races at the end, instead of also having the two other races at the beginning of the movie, um, I think it would have worked better, especially since the the second race, the Helexicon, just has nothing memorable happening mm-hmm. in it. I just feel like any movie that takes place in a cartoon world should be like an hour 40 at most. <laughs> <laughs> How long was it? I think it was 100. Th- uh, well, you, did you have a number? I was just throwing out a guess. It, it, if you were about to say it was 135 minutes, you were correct. Yeah, that's the number I had it's in my like head. 215. This could have been a good 100 minute movie. Yeah. I've been fine with that. I thought a lot about Scott Pilgrim versus the world while watching this. Just as like a successful (laughs) movie. Not that this isn't successful, but I mean, um, another movie that, I don't know, people liked more upon release that really takes place in a cartoon world and also isn't that long, even though the movie exhausts me a little bit. But for the most part, I like quite a bit. I, though I will say what Scott Pilgrim has ringing in its favor is a is a good source material where Speed Racer really mm. isn't a good property to begin with. Yeah. But so this is like a better movie than we deserve for Speed Racer. Yeah. I, th- I think the thing I like about Scott Pilgrim a little more too is I just, you know, Ed- Edgar Wright is, is a much better comedy director and I think understands comedy visually better than the Wachowskis. Yeah, I mean, I think you both bring up good points. I know that the one of the main uh, groups of detractors that uh, that Scott Pilgrim has are people that love the comics so much and they hate the uh, the ending is different. Although I I think that's because that movie was made before the comic ended, so they literally just had to make up an mm, ending. Sounds right. It's like Akira. Uh, the same thing happened with Akira. Yeah. People gotta wait. Okay, they gotta wait to make these movies. You guys hear that there's a new uh, Hunger Games book coming out, and they've already like they're already getting pre-production for the movie of it. Do you think you'll have the same people? No, it's a prequel. Have you heard anything about this at all? I've not heard anything. I don't remember the title because it's confusing. But it it takes place. It's got like um, Donald Sutherland's character, but when he was like 18 years old, and like his his family, there's like they don't they're like hella disrespected, and like no one like. (laughs) So they're doing a so. Phantom Menace? Yeah, basically. They're like the origin of him, basically. But it's like, so they're going to have the Hunger Games, and he's going to be like, going to be the mentor to some girl and try to like, I don't know, have things go in his favor, uh, supposedly. I'm excited to read yeah. that book, even though that like, do, I, do we do we need this? Like, can it just be a sequel? I guess they got rid of the Hunger Games. So it's got to be a prequel. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, excited. And also... Though. At the end of that book, like everyone is fucking burnt out and cynical. Yeah, like, they're all like Pita's like brain is broken, <laughs> and Katniss is just like I'm so depressed. Everyone I love is dead. I just wanna. I can't wait to die myself. The new one is called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Ooh. I can't wait to see who plays 18 year old Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I'll check that out though. If 
future pick. <laughs> That's you're really calling that. <laughs> it's gotta shot. get, it's gotta gotta get a... made first. <laughs> so this is sorry. This is a book that hasn't been Books published out yet. like next month. Okay. Uh, as far as goofs for Speed Racer, none of them were interesting to me. There's one about like the German that Royalton speaks being like super outdated, like ancient German. I don't care about that. But I did notice one thing that you guys probably also noticed uh, when Royalton is talking about uh, the famous racers. Which, by the way, Richard Roundtree's in the series. That that didn't come up. Oh That's yeah, weird. Shaft. That's fun. Don't see him that often. <laughs> yeah. Did you also notice that uh, Peter Fernandez is in this movie? Oh, he is. That's Original great. Who's he play? He's uh. Remember, like they show like a bunch of different announcers. Like it's like a montage of announcers calling the race or races, and he's like an older one, and he does a really good job. Like you get like, oh yeah, this guy was an actor. He can still do it. <laughs> yeah. So he's just like an older announcer guy. But yeah, I, I noticed um, when Royalton's talking about the history of racing, he, he has this great like cardboard stand-up of these like ancient oil barons that are like the real power behind racing, and uh, he lists their names, and one of their names is Benjamin Braddock. I remember that, uh, which is the 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 boy from The Graduate. <laughs> so I guess he did go on to have his plastics empire after all. <laughs> That's good. Uh, speaking of Royalton, who we were just talking about. This is John's rogues gallery. We have Arnold Royalton. He is an evil doer, guys. Let's go down and break down Arnold Royalton's stats according to Villains Wiki. Arnold Royalton, full name E.P. Arnold Royalton. I guess we never found out what that first part stood for. Alias, Mr. Royalton. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Origin, uh, Speed Racer, this movie. I guess he's not in any pre-existing Speed Racer um, properties or material. Occupation, owner of Royalton Industries. Powers slash skills. Convincing liar. Not just yeah, a liar. Okay. He's a good one. That's to establish that he's a good one. Manipulation. And high intelligence. What's the difference between convincing liar and manipulation? Mm, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't think there you is. Don't have to, to with you don't have to necessarily lie to manipulate, but it's usually involved. Yeah, you can use like reverse psychology to manipulate someone. Sure. That's not well. That this, this is tricky. Or just I'm like give sure them compliments that are true, but you're just yeah. telling them those compliments to get them to do something that they shouldn't be doing. You're so great. You could be the best, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Hobby? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no information. <laughs> like, what's he doing? Come on, we at least know he, he smokes cigars, right? <laughs> like, there's gotta be something. He loves eating pancakes. Yeah, this is terrible. He has hobbies. He eats pancakes. <laughs> and he smokes cigars. And he likes racing. Man. And making money. You're giving me no information. You're not even going to throw one out there. <sighs> All right. Uh, goals. Win the Grand Prix by cheating. Failed. Mm-hmm. His crimes. Yeah. Attempted murder. Cheating. Corruption. Sabotage. Terrorism. 
Vandalism. Okay, guys. And now my favorite part is the type of villain. This is the part that is impossible to guess. Can you guys guess, according to Villains Wiki, what type of villain Arnold Royalton is? A ruthless bet- oligarch. Colin, do you have a um, guess? No. <laughs> All right. No guess for Colin. Uh, Sean, great word choice with ruthless because he is a ruthless businessman. Mm. I went too smart. I went too smart. I should have just said businessman. I could have had it. Damn it. I have credit for that one. I mean, it's impossible. Someday we're going to get it and it's going to be the greatest ever and then we're just going to have to quit the podcast. (laughs) We're all looking for that reason to quit. (laughs) Well... I, I love that segment, but I think that does wrap up our discussion of Speed Racer. The only thing we have left to do is make another pick. Okay, so I figured I would complete our uh, trilogy <laughs> oh, no. of cartoons being adapted into live action. And I'm going with uh, the 1990 adaptation of Dick Tracy. Never seen it. Always been kind of intrigued by it. I feel like I had some Dick Tracy merch as a kid. Like I had a (laughs) t-shirt or like a a sticker book. There there was a lot of merch from this movie. Oh yeah, Halloween costumes, all sorts of stuff. It's just weird because it's like the opposite of the two other (laughs) cartoon movies we talked about where it doesn't have a cult following. No one talks about it, but it was like a pretty big hit at the time i wasn't old enough to remember it but you even got an oscar nomination didn't like al pacino get an oscar I think nomination got multiple for the oscar nominations probably for like you know set design and stuff like that but yeah i'm just afraid i'm gonna get grossed out by some of the prosthetics because uh Big boy Caprice's like goon squad look kind of disgusting. It's gross. It's it's all it's all like butt face and <laughs> it's stuff. Like their skin's like... melting. It almost looks like. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm looking forward to that, but uh, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fun. Oh god, it looks like fucking tails from the crypt. Yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> I was just looking up. Oh, okay. I don't want to spoil anything, but this won three Oscars. Nice. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And was nominated for uh, two other Oscars. Wait, no. Two, three, four. Five other Oscars. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's this, this, this definitely fits in line with how we're always uh, talking about movies that's like, this was like a thing at some point, but isn't now. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a movie is a hit. It got some awards seemed like they wanted to make sequels but like warren Beatty lost the rights or something i feel like as recently as like a few years ago warren Beatty was like i could still it's do like he's <laughs> like 80 and also who is that for <laughs> Ooh, i don't know it's for people that like the original sure if they're still alive we've we finally got to a point where people actually do have watches that are phones like we caught up we're living in dick tracy times <laughs> that's how i often think of it 
Well, we got that look to look forward to. It's uh, it's gaining on us, so you better look alive. Uh, we're busy revving up a powerful podcast feed. <laughs> uh, you can look for Mildly Pleased on uh, whatever podcast thing you use, like iTunes or the other ones. Um, you can also just see our written content, like Colin's quarantine blog, uh, over at mildlypleased.com. He's got even more thoughts about that Fiona Apple album for you to read. I mean, and so, so of, I mean, they're old thoughts. I didn't write anything more this week. Sean, where are you going to finish your Animal Crossing review? When I beat oh, it. Okay. When's that going to be? I, I think oh, I did okay. beat it. Well, then it's time. <laughs> I'll finish it. It's time. I had such an amazingly positive first impression of it that I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I've waited till the come down period mm-hmm. a little bit so I can, can really be honest about how great that game is. Right. And when the odds are against us and there's dangerous work to do, you bet your life, Mildly Please will see it through. Uh, so keep listening. Oh wait, we're called we're called the pick, not Molly Please. Whatever. You can get what I was doing. Go the pick. Go the pick. Go the pick. Go. Hey, he's